To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on The Female Millionaire Show. I'm Midori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and I interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. We are talking about root causes of behavior today and also about how to grow an incredible business because we are here with Alicia Harvey. She is the CEO and founder of Distinct Tax and Tax Advice Her advice, A-D-V-I-Z-H-E-R, and she has grown a tremendous company. So it's not just a one-off, small tax advisory type of firm. She has grown it to the point where she has to sit in the corner because her business has grown so much. She doesn't have room in her office. So welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. So tell us about your journey. Yeah, where you started and how you got, how you created this firm that is so large. And now you have two firms. So yeah, walk us, walk us along that journey. Yeah. So it it really started um, back in 2013 when I had a friend who called me and she was in a panic and she said, Alicia, the IRS took all my money out of my bank account. And I said, what? Now I know they do that, but they usually give you warnings, Right. And so I told her, I said, well, I said, that should not be the case, but I said, send me a screenshot of what you have. So she said, oh my goodness, I have to get back home. I did not buy my flight to get back home. I did a one way because it was cheaper. I was just trying to buy some groceries here at Walmart and my car kept getting declined. And she said, I don't have a credit card. So fast forward, it took us maybe about two to three years to identify what years and all this information because she had so much going on. And so the IRS was not the people that were garnishing her bank account. It was the state of California. And so for anyone who lives in any of those states, California, New York, New Jersey, and North Carolina, they move way faster than the IRS. You don't do something, they're coming immediately um, to garnish and get their money, right? The IRS will give you some time, maybe about three to six years sometimes. But um, that's what pretty much started it off. And after that, she shared with friends. And at that point, I was like, I love helping people. This is fun, right? And so I said, hey, you know, anyone who needs some help, I'm here, right? And I was working at a small CPA firm and we did this for multi-million dollar companies, um, more I would say more prevalent, it was uh, more of your McDonald's franchise owners who were making like $100 million plus. And so we were doing all this stuff for them. And I said, well, I could do this for, you know, just your average person. I'm like, it's easy, right? So I started doing that. And next thing you know, I got engaged about two years later. And at that point, I said, you know what? I said, we should really start something. I said, let's start a business. And so we started inquiring about franchises and so many different things. Things from like Subway to an ice cream shop to a game truck. I mean, we were just all over the place. And um, we were very close to closing on a a pizza franchise. And um, 
but we we did not move forward with it. And I said, you know, I just want something. I don't know what it is, but I was like, I don't want tax. I don't want accounting. I don't want any of those things. Um, so then my husband said, oh, I want to, you know, open up a sneaker cleaning and restoration company. I said, boom, let's do it. It's not tax. I'll do the tax and accounting behind the scenes, but I don't want a company for it. Um, and so we started that a little bit. And then my husband said, no, you know what? You need to go and push for your company and you need to do the tax and accounting. He said, you might have to be in it in the beginning, but grow it and you can get out of it. And I said, oh, I said, well, maybe I said, we'll think about it. Um, and we were on our way to Savannah playing around with names. And I didn't even name my own company. My husband did. And because he's the creative, I'm not that creative. I'm creative when it comes to designing, maybe, you know, decorating. But other than that, it's not me. So fast forward to 2017, I'm married at that point. But a month before I get married, my husband tears his ACL, MCL, and meniscus, all three. Mm. And barely walking, he wears a, a knee brace to the wedding, acting a plain fool. But he was so excited to get married, right? So we get to the honeymoon. Uh, we're traveling, going to, uh, what was it, Punta Cana. Um, get back and to find out on Veterans Day in 2017... I'm sorry, 2016, he had to get surgery. Um, but of course, before then, we didn't know it was a tear. We thought it was just a swollen knee um, and inflammation, but it wasn't. So um, after taking off all that time for the wedding, the honeymoon, I now need to take off to heal my husband, right? And so um, his doctor said, oh, you'll be on bed rest for about eight weeks. Uh, who has time for that? Oh, uh, they have time. I was... <laughs> I was floored. You know, you have that moment of all you see is black and you feel like you're being caved in. Yes. That was the moment I had. And I said, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Because I just took all this time off for this wedding. I have no more vacation. The holidays are coming and I don't know what to do. So I, I didn't took, you know, pulled up my, my big girl panties and went to my supervisor. And I said, Hey, this is the situation. And I need to be at home with him for the first four weeks. And then he should be on crutches and stuff, be able to move on his own and wash himself and stuff after that. And so my boss said, you don't have any more time and we can't, we can't allow that. And so I said, okay, I went back home, came back to work and I met with her again. And I said, with all due respect, I'm going to be at home with my husband for four weeks. I am open to working from home. I'm also open to not being paid, but I will need to take leave to help him. And so if I don't have a job when I get back, I'm okay with that, but I'm going to take care of home first. And she said, well, I will get back with you. She came back maybe about a week later and she said, we'll give you two weeks to work from home and then two weeks uh, vacation, but we'll just deduct it from your vacation for next year. So you'll still be paid. Hmm. I said, sounds good. And I was happy that I stood up for myself, my morals, my values, and what it was important to me. And I made it important to them. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy that they saw that. But the thing is, even though I was happy about my win, I was unhappy about how much I had to fight to get mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Right. So then that's that light bulb to me that said, it's time for me to jump. And then, and I intimately um, had a conversation with my husband about me leaving. And I said, Hey, it is now at this point, it was um, November into October, 2017. I mean, 2016. And I said, December, 2017, I'm leaving. Right. And so I know a lot of us have plans of what we say is going to happen. Um, but for anyone who may be a believer, 
God had a different plan for me. And they they terminated me May 31st of 2017. What day did you say you were going to be done? December 31st, 2017. Wow. And so they let me go six months before. But how big of a blessing this was, they not only let me go, but they gave me severance for six months. Mm-hmm. I was still able to get unemployment after the six months. They paid me out my PTO and all my sick leave. So it worked out beautifully, worked out better than you could have planned. It did. In those six months, you know how people say, don't jump without a plan. Don't jump without capital. Don't jump without any of this, you know, just out say, oh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That gave me the leverage I needed to not worry about home, to build my business, to not worry about, will my husband be able to float the entire household? I still was able to play my part in all of this. And because I've never been fired before that feeling of being fired again, that same feeling I had when my husband told me he had to be at home for four weeks. I mean, eight weeks Yeah, that, um, that, that blackness came yeah. back in. Um, but it, it amplified me because I did cold calling. I never did cold calling before a day in my life. That same week I did cold calling, cold emails, manually doing everything and landed my first client in 72 hours. And so wait, so when you were cold calling, where did you find this list? How did you go about it? Girl, I went and Googled. I said, I want people in Atlanta. I just typed in Atlanta, businesses in Atlanta. And I just, at that point, it was a huge list. And um, it was like Google Maps or something, right? And so then I just drilled down and said, you know, service base. And just the first things that came up and I just started typing and I picked up the phone and I just said, hey, this is Alicia calling from Distinct Tax. At that point, it was Distinct Tax and Notary. And I said, calling from Distinct Tax and Notary, I just wanted to you know, speak with you about getting um, you know, taxes prepared or maybe some accounting and bookkeeping. And I mean, there was several people that hung up in my face, right? But there I was, was going to a- ask you, how many people did you, how many calls did you make and get hung up on or no before you got a yes? I called about 50 to 60 people every day for those th- those first three days before I got my first yes. And he signed on. He was a monthly client. And get this. I know some people for the ones that are like pricing experts and, and they're just like, don't, you know, charge what you're worth, but don't undercharge, don't discount. My first monthly client, I charged $100 a month for three businesses to do his accounting and bookkeeping. <laughs> That'll buy you a lot of McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> it, that $100, I couldn't do anything with, right? And um, I think he was a client of mine for maybe about three months. And at that point, I realized I was doing way too much work for $100. And at that point, I sent him an invoice. And I first, I sent him an email to say, hey, you know, prices are going up. I can no longer do this. We have to do it by company. And at that point, I said, it'll have to be $250 per company per month, right? And um, he was, oh, he was livid. <laughs> and he saw the invoice. He said, I'm paying you everything but $100 on this invoice. And I said, well, I need the full invoice paid. He said, sue me. And our agreement is over. Mm. I said, what? Sue you for $100? I said, oh, this is crazy. So <clears throat> it took me maybe about two to three years to want to write it off on my books. Um, it just sat there because I we attempted to collect over and over again. He just would not pay. But at that moment, I instantly learned and didn't necessarily know the verbiage or the technical piece of it, but I understood my value Mm -hmm. at that point, even though I verbally could not explain, that's what I learned. I also understood that I am not the accountant or tax professional for everyone. 
Um, but then I also learned that I need to identify certain characteristics of people when I have my first conversation. And I and think I, a lot of that, it comes from experience too, right? We have to have those yeah. warnings to really know. There's no way that you can know all of this going into it, even if you have a coach or mentor, right? It's just a lot of it is just going through that experience. But I want to point out about pricing because I get questions about pricing all the time. And you brought it up, knowing your worth, right? So I think there's kind of a sweet spot between going too low and going too high. You need to be priced at a point where you're ready to take off, but you're also going to get those clients in. I think you have to know when you're first starting or you're launching something new that your price is going to be low. It's going to be lower than what you will eventually get to, but you got to start somewhere, but you don't want to price it so low that people are taking advantage of you and you're positioning yourself as not worthy, right? Because then I think also you're giving a message of, I'm not, you can treat me, uh, you know, a little bit, um, not fairly maybe, or having the respect that I deserve, So pricing, there's a lot of psychology that goes into that. So Mm. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, it's a lot of psychology, right? We first have to identify who it is we want to service. We also have to identify the price points they value, right? If you're going for high-end people, they're not going to pay you $100, $200 for something that's a professional service. They're going to believe that it's not worth it or maybe you're not the right person. But then if you're extremely high, And let's say you still consider them a high-end type of client. If it's too high, you went above their heads. And they believe that, oh, you're for someone who makes hundreds of millions of dollars, right? For an enterprise level company. Yeah, you're not not for them. Um, So finding a good median somewhere. And sometimes we have to do interviews. Sometimes we have to ask around or play the long game of, let me throw a price out there and see if it bites. You don't know. Right. But I always recommend if you know who you want to target, then you need to have people in those circles so that you can identify quicker what they value, how much they're willing to pay for something. What is it that they're currently paying other people? But then in flip on the other side of that, you have to make sure that you provide the value and the level of service that they're looking for and that they pay for not just the price, but we have to look the part and service the part all at the same time. I talk a lot about value, the perceived value. So I don't care what the service is, whether it's accounting, whether it's CPA, whether it's um, mowing lawns, you want to create a value and name it. And that is where you can charge more. It's it's just a simple thing. But I'm sure when you first started on your own, Alicia, that you weren't realizing, or maybe you weren't highlighting all the things that you could do, right? And that's where having someone who can help you kind of really pull it out and say it clearly and concisely uh, into a package. That's how you can charge more because then people are clear. Oh, this is what I'm getting. Absolutely. I realized I could get that. That is absolute value because I've been looking for this. I didn't know where to find it, but Alicia can do it. Perfect. I will pay you $500 a month. No problem. So I think that's part of it. I want to get into a bit more about what we talked about early, you know, when we were off camera and finding our root causes, right? You know, we have behaviors that we do and 
often they don't serve us. This is for everybody. I don't care who you are, but how do we, how do we identify it? How do we change it? But I think you brought up a really good example from your past of, and kind of your approach to life of looking for root causes. So can you talk about that a little bit? And you talked about, you know, why you hired a stylist. And I think that tied in beautifully to illustrate how you use that approach to being. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I grew up, I started, uh, well, let me back it up. As I was growing up and then I met my husband um, when I went to college and um, after we met, he had a child about six months later. And so I learned at that point the importance of behavior, right? Um, And it turned up my curiosity of why things happen. Why do people do what they do, right? Instead of just taking what they say. And that was the ultimate turning point for me. I did it a little bit before then. But then when I started getting around my bonus child, at that point, I was like, why are kids doing this? Right. I did research more and more and more, but I did it when I was younger as well. And I ultimately wanted to get down to the point of why do we do things? Once I identify why we do it or have some type of understanding why other people may do it, I then can adjust my approach to you. And which is also how I approach my clients, which is why they love and still come back because not everyone is going to taste everyone's not going to take that same approach. Um, And so as I was growing up, I was around a lot of hoarders who did not consider themselves hoarders, but they are, right? They hold on to clothes. They hold on to all these these trinkets and um, sculptures and things like that. And they have no room for it. They go and buy another cabinet, go and create another, they turn a bedroom into a closet just to make the room. Mm -hmm. And as, as they're cleaning out their closets, they're like, hey, you want this? And then I get it. Next thing you know, I put that into my house. And then next thing you know, my house becomes a version of your house. And so we keep passing that along. And so I know that the nature versus nurture type of situation where there's some things that I do that I, it's like second nature and I don't know where it came from. But once you get to know, you know, your family, some friends, and you learn behaviors, you then are able to be very honest with yourself um, and transparent with yourself to say, hey, I'm doing this because of X or because of Y and Z. Yeah, and, and you brought up the whole experience of hiring the stylist. And I thought this was beautiful. Yeah. How you said that you're like, I don't like going shopping by myself. I do better when I'm with someone else. And I'm like, okay. And I'm listening to you trying to figure it out. And you said the reason why you hired the stylist was because she helped you stay focused, which is one of the things that you've learned into not buy those things that you don't need, that you're not going to return, that don't fit you right. And I, and even though it's a simple concept, it's a simple um, yeah. you know, idea of it, it's much bigger. And, you know, we talked about how you came from, you know, you were around a lot of hoarders growing up and now you're a tax accountant and you said, I love things clean. I like things organized and you like space, right? Absolutely. Kind of that opposite part. So yeah, yeah talk about, uh, you know, a little bit more about this, the stylist concept and how that kind of helped you. It's helped you create a life, you know, a part of your life that, that helps you operate better. 
It does. Um, and, you know, just buying those things that I don't need or buying things because it's shiny, nice or it was discounted because I'm frugal um, and, you know, getting the stylist that says, hey, what are we planning for this quarter? Right. And so at that point, I organize my calendar. I know exactly what's happening this quarter. So then I tell her we identify what are the outfits down to my personal things, my lazy days, the days I need to dress up, the days I need to go to the office, I have a client meeting, whatever it is. And so at that point, we're buying things for purpose and we're not buying just because I said, or just because Macy's, Walmart, whoever said, oh, there's a sale because it's Black Friday, because of this, that, whatever. I don't have to buy because of that, right? And so at that point, I now have an organized closet. I know what it looks, what's in there, not just stuff piling up and inside of a drawer behind the scenes somewhere. But it not only helped me organize financially or within my style, I now don't have any type of anxiety of, oh, they don't have this outfit. I got to go to the other store across town because they have it. She already knows what store has it. She has whatever software it is. But that relieves me of so much. One, it gives me time and I can do other things. But then two, I'm not sitting here wasting my time or money on things I think look nice, the things I think I want, and then I buy it and it just sits there Um, because I'm definitely not returning the stuff from Amazon. Right? Yeah. I mean, how many times do you like, oh my gosh, there's tags on these still. I never wore this and I will never wear it and I'm getting rid of it. And it's, it's taking up, I have a, an old house that was built in the seventies. And so our closets are teeny. It's so, you know, we have to be careful with, with what I get. So I think that's the way that I stay focused on clothes, you know, what I can get, what I can't, but I think it's a great illustration of figuring out why we do things and how can we circumvent that? How can we, if it's not serving us, how can we pay attention to what, why did I do that? Because you have to get to the root cause in order to be able to change it, right? So you're not just putting a Band-Aid on it for a little while and then it comes back and bites you later. So I loved that story. We could go on forever because we haven't even talked about your, your businesses yet. So we'll have to have you come back. But tell us, Alicia, you have grown an incredible tax advisory firm, firms. How can people find out more about you? Where can we send them? Absolutely. So um, in terms of the firm itself, um, distinct tax consulting on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, maybe what is it, Twitter and TikTok and all of those things, even LinkedIn. Um, so you can find us there or you can visit our website at distinct, that's D-I-S-T-I-N-C-T-T-A-X.com. Um, and then we have my personal brand that's a lot more fun. It shows my personality. Um, and that's tax, T-A-X, advise, A-D-I-V, I mean, sorry, A-D-V-I-Z and her, H-E-R, all one word, tax advise her. Um, the her is me, does not mean I just service women, but majority of my clients are women. So um, tax advise her on all platforms, the same is listed, but um, personally, I have an, I have a um, Pinterest that I am just like all over and I love it. That helps my organization um, internally. And um, I just love the boards everywhere. It's great, but it's digital. So it takes up no space. So <laughs> it stays along, you know, what your parameters are. I love that. 
Absolutely. So much. This has been such an enlightening conversation and we hit on things that I haven't discussed yet in, in a show. So I love our conversation and we'll have to continue it. Thank you for being here and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Awesome. Thank you. You as well.